All right. Um, are you ready for God's word this morning? Uh, we're uh, yeah. I'm excited too. I have a a message really on my heart. Um, I think you know. Um, um, what's a nice way to say this? Um, <laughs> now you're wondering what I'm going to say. If I had to like filter and think, like, is there a nice way to say this? I, I think for me, um, I, you know, I just want to be helpful. Um, I kind of got into that place, I don't know, probably because of my age, um, where really my prayer is, God, I just want to be effective. Um, I don't really care about anything else if I can just be effective for you. And so with that, then, then you start preaching messages for one person. Like a lot of people, a lot of young pastors, they're trying to preach their way onto Christian television or something. For me, it's about there's got to be one person in the room I could help. And, and so this week, I, I've, I, that's what I'm after. I'm after that one person. So I may preach this whole message for one person. Um, but to me, that would be being effective. I think, you know, success is if I preach something that would make me look good. In other words, if I add value to me, that's success. But if I preach something for one person that helps them, that's significance. And I think we have a culture that's driven by success and God created us to be driven by significance. I am preaching and I have not even gotten to the text, <laughs> haven't even told you the series. Um, but we're in this series of messages I started kind of in the conclusion in the wake of our birthday called Faith Forward. It wasn't really something I had planned. I was going to do a relationship series, which I'll do um, after I finish this up. But, um, but I just felt like that, that there was faith and I felt like there was destiny. I felt like there was something that God wanted to do um, in and through us, in and through you. And like, I don't, I don't want to play church. I don't want to, I don't even want a good church. I want to change the world. Like, I didn't start Pathway because we needed a church. I started Pathway because I felt like we could change the world. And I kind of got sick of church doing church, and I wanted church to change the world. And that's why I started the church. So you're my hope and God's hope too. You are the hope of the world. I'm just counting on you as God is counting on you. So if you came in today like, I'm doing my church thing, and then I'm going to go back to living my life, you have missed the point of the gospel, like completely missed the point of the gospel. And it's, anyways, I don't have time to preach that message, but I want to talk about faith. That's what, that's what I'm preaching today. One of these days, I think I'm just going to go with however it starts and preach the whole time and never even get back to my message just to see what would happen. Um, but why don't you turn? That'd be a divine experiment, right? It, it would... And who knows? But turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Um, I want to talk about faith forward. And I kind of subtitled this in my own mind, faith forward, because there is no other way. There is no other way outside of faith when you're walking with God. Without faith, it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible. And sometimes it says to please God, but that's a prepositional phrase. So it can be, it can be removed from the sentence and it's still complete. Without faith, it's impossible. And, and I just kind of want to make that statement, which is not in my notes, which means I'm talking to somebody because I've done this long enough to know when the Holy Spirit moves this way, then it's like, okay, now I'm just helping somebody. So I'm going to take a minute and help you. Without faith, it's impossible. See, you're looking at it, you're like, it's impossible. Let me help you with something. Yes, without faith. But with faith, with God, all things, are you with me? Let me, let me show you how weird my thinking is. 
<laughs> this could be dangerous. <laughs> Brace yourself at home, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was talking with an elder, and, and we were talking about the building, and we're like, you know, we have about $1.7 million. We're going to eat through that in about the next two to three months, and then what are we going to do? This is what I told him. I said, I'm so ready to spend that money. And, and he, said, he said, why? I said, because then we'll find out where God's at. Like, I don't need to hold on to that. Let, let's run wide open. I, I'm already, it's okay. Like, I, you know what? I'm, I'm without reputation. I've been criticized and judged and enough that I don't even care anymore. Um, but I'm like, let's spend the money and find out what God does next. That's what I said. Like, let's spend it. And then, and then God had to do something. I mean, he's probably going to do something anyway, but we'll get to find out what it is. Like, as soon as we spend this money, we'll find out what he's been working on. That's weird. Without faith, it's impossible. If it looks impossible, you're in the right place. Because you are in the place of faith. Golly, that is good. I'm going to preach that message. Luke chapter 7, though, we have to get back to it. Stop distracting me. I have ADD. It's a problem. Luke chapter 7. Um, Luke chapter 7. So John, John the Baptist is, is in prison. He's in prison uh, for, for, for really holding the standard of God, for preaching the gospel. But the problem is he, he confronted um, King Herod, the Tetrarch. That means he's a king under a king. So um, it's, it's, it's Jews, but they're under Roman authority. So Herod was the king under Caesar, right? So, so it's a king under a king. Are you with me? Yeah. Um, by the way, that's what you are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you ever thought about that. He's the capital K king. You're the lowercase king. You're the king under a king. Anyways, so uh, Herod divorced his wife and married his sister-in-law, Herodias, um, there's your good name. If you're pregnant, look for a girl name, Herodias. Um, just like to throw out quality names if you're searching. Um, and, and so John the Baptist is like, you, 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 that was unlawful. And so um, uh, Herod has John the Baptist thrown in prison. And, and what we know, if you read a few chapters later, John's going to actually be executed. Um, because um, Salome... Uh, Herodias's daughter could dance, like first dancing with the stars episode. And, and the prize was she won John the Baptist's head on a platter. What are you having for lunch? I'm sorry, that was so wrong, but it just hit me. Um, but anyways, um, so John is now in prison. He's in prison. Um, and, and this is, he, he's, he's sending his disciples to Jesus with a question and I got to get to the message because I'm so like all over the place, but, um, verse 18, John's disciples told, uh, him about these things. I'll clarify that in a minute. Cause you can clarify that from Matthew's gospel. Uh, by the way, this is in all the synoptic gospels. Um, I'm sorry. No, it's in Matthew and Luke. Anyways, calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect somebody else? All right. So in other words, are you the Messiah? Or are we looking for somebody else? And when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask you, are you him? Or are we looking for somebody else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, 
Go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Um, I call this message <laughs> for real, though. For real, though. Um, why, don't, why don't we pray? Um, God, today in, in this room, God, just help us to believe you more, to trust us, to trust you more, and to see you more. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. For real, though, um, this is really the question um, that John the Baptist is asking of Jesus. Like, for real, though, are you him? I don't know if you've ever asked that question of God before. I don't know if you'd be honest enough in church to admit. I've had a lot of for real though moments with God. I'll tell you that I don't mind confessing my sin. If it's sin of unbelief or doubt, but, but I've kind of had some moments where some things have happened that I didn't see coming. Some things that maybe I didn't really agree with some things where I thought, you know, God, I've, I've really been really faithful. I've been a good boy, been a good boy. And, 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 and then, and then this is, this is what happened. And, and for real though, like you, you say you love me, but for real though, are you say you're with me, but for real, are you sure? Cause I'm not sure anymore. That's okay. You don't have to agree with me. I'm going to preach the message anyway, because you're all sitting there like, oh no, I'm holy. And just, mm, just me and the Lord, just Jesus, Jesus. Mm. shut up. You're not even real. I'm going to talk to the real people. <laughs> the real people, like when I, one of my favorite quotes is from Mike Tyson, which is so weird. <laughs> as far as I know, he's only had one quotable thing, but that was everyone has a, <laughs> I'm serious. Cause it's Mike, it's Mike Tyson. But, um, um, <laughs> but it's when he said, everyone has a plan till they get punched in the face. I've had a lot of plans and then got punched in the face. And then I was like, for real though? That's what John is saying is, is, is for real though. Because he was certain of some things. He believed Jesus to be Jesus, but now he's in prison. And he's in prison for a stupid reason, for a righteous reason. Um, and it's caused him to, to waver a little bit in his faith. And it's caused him to ask the question, like, are you really him? For real though. Are you really him? Uh, write this down. It may help you. Three things about faith. You can write this down. Number one, faith will be tested so it can be trusted. Um, can I tell you something that I've learned? Faith is a great philosophy till you have to use it. <laughs> that right there was good. I'm sorry. That was good. Because I think there's a lot of people who want to have faith, who believe they have faith, and then they get punched in the mouth. And what I've found is that faith is a great ideology, it's a great philosophy, and when you have to use it, you find out how much of it you really have. Because it is one thing to sing the song, oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, mm, Jesus, but I'm surrounded by you. But what happens when you feel vulnerable, exposed, and surrounded by the enemy? 
right? Like I know in, in the confines of a church auditorium, when the worship team is going wide open with all of their giftings and all their anointings and you've got the goosies, oh, I feel surrounded, but yesterday, but tomorrow. Um, but I've found that your faith, listen, can I tell you something? You want your faith to be tested because you want to be able to trust it. And you can find out if you can trust it when it's tested. Are, are you with me? Um, th this, is, this is the truth of it is faith, faith. Listen, faith is valuable. It is so valuable because everything that God wants to do in and through your life comes one way. By grace through faith. Like everything God wants to do, everything he wants to give you, everything he wants to do in your life, um, all of his, his goodness, his blessing, his provision, everything, all of that is his grace. And it all comes one way, through faith. So faith is valuable. So if, if you have purpose and you do, and you have potential and you do, and God wants to use you and he does, and God wants to bless you and he does, then the only way any of those things can happen is according to your faith. So if you are the enemy, so there's two sides of this. Oh my gosh, this is good. Hold on to this one if you can. Let me back up. So if you're God, then you, if I'm God and, and we know I'm not, right? I mean, we look similar, <laughs> but I'll just let you know I'm not him. If you were confused about that, I'm sure you were. But if, if I'm God, I want you to have faith because I want you to believe me and I want to do stuff in and through your life, right? But you don't know your faith exists and how strong it is without it being tested. So if I'm God, I will actually use the enemy. Oh, this is so good. I will use the enemy to, to put stuff in your path to put you in prison for, for doing what I ask you to do, I will actually use the devil to test you so that it tries your faith so you know you can trust your faith. Is this not what happened with Peter? Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed that your faith. Now, why didn't Jesus pray that he wouldn't be sifted? Because Jesus like, no, 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 your faith's valuable. I need your faith to be tested, and you need your faith to be tested. My God, this is good preaching. It was not this good when I wrote it. I, I want your faith to be tested, and you need your faith to be tested so that your faith can be trusted. So on his best day, the devil works for me. I'm going to let the devil put some stuff in your path to actually cause your faith, because we don't see your faith just like we don't see strength until it has to hold something up. We don't see faith until it's under pressure. And that's what's going on with John the Baptist is now he is under pressure. And what happens, what happens when, when, we're under, when we're under pressure, when we're under stress? Then we start seeing the testing of our faith, which remember, remember what, um, what Peter said, the testing and trying of your faith is precious. It's like gold, but he said it's going to be tested 
by fire. Now, we all want faith that glitters like gold, but the only way to get it is to walk through some fire. Are you, are you with me? James said it this way, the testing of our faith produces endurance. A lot of different words, steadfastness, patience, endurance, depending on your version. But, but that word endurance is, is um, hippomone, right? If you want to wait, it's like hippo money. Like you heard of young money, there's also hippo money. I don't know what that is, that is so dumb. But anyways, it will help you remember it. <laughs> but, but it means, that, mean, that word means to bear up under. So how do I know if my faith is strong? How do I get my faith to be strong? It's got to bear up under something. The testing of your faith produces endurance. It bears up under. And by the way, um, the connotation of, the, of, of hippomone, that's right. I threw down like that. <laughs> the connotation of it is with hope. To bear up under with hope. Um, can I tell you something real quick? And I'll come back to this maybe next week. Um, faith is always anchored in hope. Think about it. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. Faith is always anchored in hope. Right? Faith is always. So, so the enemy is always trying to what? Dash hope. Why? Because then your faith can't be tied to anything. Are you with me? It's probably the best message I ever preached. I'm glad y'all made it. Glad you're watching online. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so John's faith is now being tested. And, and so now, now he's asking the question, and let's be honest, this is a question that, that a lot of us ask for real, though. Like Jesus, for real, though. Because sometimes what we miss is, is that some theologians say John was in prison for nearly two years. Because we just think John was thrown in prison and then he sent an email to Jesus people. Like, hey, y'all, you the one? Check yes or no. But the truth of it is, the truth of it is, he's been in prison a long time, yeah. nearly two years. This is the second year of Jesus' ministry, and so he was probably in prison right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We know he baptized Jesus, but, but, but think about this. Now John, and, and I think this really just speaks to the stress and the pressure of situation, because this is John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist like filled with the Holy Spirit in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, when Mary came to visit when she was pregnant with Jesus, John the Baptist. Like th this is John the Baptist who was raised with Jesus, like they were cousins, right? This is John the Baptist who was probably eating out with Jesus and, and their families were eating together and their mothers made them order water. <laughs> and Jesus like, no, it's totally cool. I can make this a juice box. Are, are you with me? I mean, this is Jesus Baptist. I mean, this is Jesus and John. This is John the Baptist who probably had a demonized cat growing up that Jesus cast the devil out of. Don't act like you don't know cats are demon possessed. People are like, oh, my cat loves me. Now I was thinking about how it would eat you if it were bigger. Like, this is John the Baptist. Probably one morning they were going to camel pull to school and. And somebody, and, and they looked, and there was only one Krispy Kreme left. And Jesus was like, yo, I got this. 
how many Krispy Kremes you want. There were 12 baskets that remained. I mean, this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist who says, um, when he sees Jesus, this is the Lamb of God. Takes away the sin. By the way, these are the real stories. The others were just superimposed through my imagination, but... Um, but they could have been real. We don't know. Um, but anyways, um, behold the Lamb of God who takes away this. This is John the Baptist who said, there's one coming after me whose who's jays I can't even lace. All right, this is John the Baptist when Jesus shows up and, and he says, I'm not baptizing you. You need to baptize me. This is John the Baptist that when he baptized Jesus, a voice came from heaven, which was God, that said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit came from heaven and fell on him. And John was standing in the Jordan when all of that happened. If there's anyone that could be certain that Jesus was the Messiah, you would think it was John. But even in in all of that certainty, in all of that experience, he's been in prison. And he's been there for something he didn't do. And he probably knows that he is not getting out of prison. And he is asking Jesus, hey, for real though, for real though, are you, are you like, for real? Are, are you the... Are you the guy? Can we just be honest enough to say, and, and I don't think like, like highly religious, highly spiritual people, would, probably not, you're not going to go with me on this, but for the rest of us normal people, um, faith's fragile. Yeah. Let me back up. It's not fragile till you try to use it. But once you try to use faith, it becomes vulnerable. Right? Are you? I was standing this last week with a, a friend of mine, he's a church consultant and a good friend of mine, and we were uh, in Dallas, and I'm just talking and, and catching up a little bit, and, and he said, I, I am so, uh, what he said, I admire so much you and what you're doing. And, um, and, and I was like, okay, I don't really think what I do is that big a deal. And he said, the way you're doing the building. He said, I've never seen this done before. He said, because you're just saying, hey, if we have the money, we're going to build it. And if not, we're just going to stop. Knowing that stopping is going to cost you a lot of money. Remobilizing is going to cost you. Like you're, you're kind of yeah. betting a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he said, but he said, to have the faith to do that. He said, you have great faith. And I said, I have great faith or great stupidity. And you'll have to see how the story ends to figure out which one it is. <laughs> because I said, I can assure you today, because I had just gotten the payables for the month that I have to approve. Uh, and they're large amounts, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. And I have to sign off, say, yeah, let's pay those. I said, I, I can tell you this morning, I don't feel like I have great faith. I feel like I have great stupidity. But I think when Jesus said, when the Bible says about Jesus, he became of no reputation. I think if you're going to do anything for God, two things. Number one, you're going to have to give up your reputation. And number two, you're not going to have to be the protector of his reputation. And so faith is vulnerable. And when it's vulnerable, it's fragile. Like when we're in that place of, oh, I'm a person of faith, that's not vulnerable. Wait till you try to believe something. Wait until the doctor's report comes. Wait until the divorce decree comes. Wait until the layoff comes. Wait until something happens. And now faith is 
It's fragile. It's vulnerable. Um, and that's what we see from John. And, and there were two big ideas with the Messiah. One was that, that, that with religious leaders in, 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 in this age, one was that, that the Messiah would, would arrive as kind of a spiritual ambassador of heaven and bring an awakening spiritually and turn people's hearts back to God, which is exactly what happened. But the other theory was that he would arise as, as a, um, a warrior king who would overthrow Rome and create the geo-state uh, national status of Israel and, and restore the temple and bring the presence of God back and everybody would just exist in harmony and jubilee and it would just be wonderful. And so John, I don't know what his theology was previous, but now he's thinking Jesus would be a good time for you to overthrow Rome so I could get out of prison. And, and his faith has become fragile. Listen, um, faith is required. We talked about this last week. Faith is required. It's the only way God can work in and through our lives. It's a requirement. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's a requirement. Um, but here's the problem. With faith, there, it has to be anchored in hope. And with hope, that means there's expectation. But what happens when God doesn't meet your expectations? It starts undermining hope, which starts um, deteriorating faith. And that's kind of where John had an expectation of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had an expectation of how something was supposed to work out, but John definitely did. And John had this expectation because he had this expectation of how this was going to work out. And when it's not working out that way, now he is losing hope. And if faith is anchored in hope and I start losing hope, then I am now losing faith. It, it, is, it, is, it is fragile. What I love about this text is the fact that Jesus is not offended at the question. I think we miss this sometimes, that somehow God's going to get ticked off if we're actually honest with him, as though he doesn't know what you're thinking. Well, I can't tell him what I'm thinking. I can't even admit it. Most of the time, we can't tell him what we're thinking because we don't want to admit it to ourselves. This is the greatest message I've ever preached. I'm having so much fun. I can't wait to see what happens in point number two. Anyways, um, <laughs> but, but isn't that true? And, and he's, he's, he hasn't, he, he doesn't rebuke John's followers. He doesn't say, you go tell John. Because, I mean, Jesus is standing there, and John is, are you the one? Like, for real, though. And Jesus, Jesus didn't like, you know what, I'm offended. I can't, I can't we're not even going to be family anymore. This inquisition has just upset my, um, my lordship. It's undermined my authority. It's, no. It's crazy. We'll see it in just a minute. But, but Jesus actually answers the question. I'll show you. He actually answered it very clearly. But, but what I love, and this is what I would say, is, is if today your faith feels fragile, if it even feels fractured, ask your questions in the presence of God. Because when we ask our, our questions outside of the presence of God, we're typically counseled by demons. But when we ask our questions in the presence of God, God doesn't rebuke us. He will try his best to answer us and to give us, and to give us truth. All right, I got to go. Here's the second thing. Second thing. Write this down. Uh, faith is the opposite of certainty. Faith it really, do you know what faith is? It's trying to be certain about things you can't be certain about. Yes, right. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, yes. the evidence of things I cannot see. 
Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is trying to be certain of uncertainty. Have you ever thought about that? If not, I just helped you out. So, so faith and certainty are, are not the same thing. What I love, verse 18, remember I said, his disciples told him about these things. Um, if you back up to, to Matthew 11, Matthew's gospel, it says, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. In other words, John is rotting in prison and he hears all these miracles. Do you know the two miracles chronologically, the two miracles that occur right before John's inquisition of Jesus? Do you know the two miracles? The first one was the healing of the centurion. It was the first time Jesus like airdropped a, a healing. Like didn't like centurions like got a sick person come. He's like, and, and Jesus like, I'll come. And, no, you don't need to come and heal him. Just speak the word. Like he airmailed one, right? Never had happened before. The next miracle, right after that, Jesus runs into a funeral procession. A widow's son has died, and Jesus is like, hold up. Literally, stop the, stopped it. Like, hold up. Healed the son. You know what's crazy about that miracle? No one even asked him to. I don't know, we don't want to talk about it, but have you ever been believing God for something and then someone shows up in life group and like, you know, I wasn't even praying about it, but I just got a raise. And you're like, for real though? <laughs> right? You've been, you've, been praying for, you've been praying for a husband, you've been praying for a wife, you've been seeking God, and the next thing you know, somebody's like, you know, I was really happy just being single, and then the love of my life just showed up. For real though? Like, you really him? Or should I look for somebody else? And this is where, where John's at, and he's struggling because what he thought he was certain of, now because of his situation, seemed, seemed unsettled. Faith, faith isn't certainty. But what, happen, what, happens, what happens when our faith, our vulnerable faith, the faith we're trying to use, what happens when it gets fractured? What happens? What do we do um, when we had an expectation and it didn't come to pass? And so our hope um, seems to be um, lost and our faith seems to be wavering. Proverbs 3, um, 5, you know, 5 and 6 are usually read together, but we should look at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean. Um, what happens... What happens when our, when our faith gets fractured? What happens? Because see, here we are and, and, and we're created. We're created for faith, to live in faith. And so we're created to, the Bible says, to run a race, right? And that race is always based in faith. Um, but what happens when here I am trusting God and running my race, but then... My expectation isn't met. I'm losing hope. My faith is wavering. You could say I, I fractured something. And what happens is, well, there's trust in the Lord, but then there's lean on your own understanding. And I found a lot of times, remember, I'm just trying to help one person. But I found a lot of times I was created to run, but, but when it's uncertain, and when my expectation isn't being met, the temptation is always going to be, if, if I can't make sense of it, 
then, then I want to make sense of it. And if God's not answering it, then, then I'll formulate something because I'm, I'm a person who needs closure. My brain needs it. I, I need to understand. And so because I need to understand, then I have to lean on that. Faith is not understanding. It's, why is this man that ever lived? Solomon, trust in the Lord. That word trust means to put all your weight on him. But what happens when I'm encountering a situation and I need to understand and it's not working out and, and all of a sudden it's like I have to resolve why my expectation was unmet or why God didn't do it my way. Now, oh, maybe, maybe God doesn't care about me. Maybe I'm not as valuable to him. <clears throat> maybe, God, maybe God still doesn't, maybe God doesn't do this kind of stuff today. Maybe he did one day, but maybe not. That, that, that age is past. Maybe God just doesn't, maybe it's me. Maybe God just doesn't love me. And, and now, and now I, I need faith. I need to lean on God to run my race. And now, I'm, I've, but I've got fractured faith. And so what I've done is I've, I've settled my mind while unsettling my heart. Because in my mind, I've reasoned it out. Like, th this is why God didn't do it that way. And God, God doesn't. Do there are three, three legs that faith has to rest on. God is near, God is good, and God is powerful. You're going to find that anytime there's an assault on faith in your life, it's going to be tied to one of those. Because like a three-legged stool, if you take one leg out, it cannot stand. If God is not good, God is not near, and God is not powerful. A good and near God is no good if he is not powerful. A powerful God is not good if he is not good and near. Are you with me? And, and so any one of them cripples faith. And so a lot of times those are like, hey, hey, all of a sudden, you know what? God, God is on the other side of the universe, and he's not really concerned about you. God, you know, I don't know that God is really, I don't know that he's that good. And, and you know what? I don't think God's near. I don't think he's really paying attention to you. Hey, you know, there's something wrong with you. These are all the things that the, the devil would tell you. There's something wrong with you. God really doesn't love you. And now you're trying to, to walk out your life and, and, and you've settled in your mind something, but you've unsettled your heart and now where you were built to trust in the Lord and to run your race and put all your weight on him, now you're putting weight on, on your own understanding. And you know what I found is that God will give you peace that is beyond your understanding, but to have peace that is beyond your understanding, you're going to have to give up trying to understand everything. Right? Because we all have peace that passeth. That's King James. Passeth. peace that patheth. All understanding. I want the peace that patheth. Then you're going to have to live not understanding. Because when our faith is fractured, we take the weight off God and put the weight on our understanding. And then we try to run a life you can only run, a race you can only run with faith. And we're trying to run it on our understanding. That's the temptation right? That, that faith is always going to be uncertain. If faith is uncertain, then I'm not going to be certain. Can, can I tell you that, that most of the time at best, I'm like 51% sure. 
when I was talking with my friend, he's like, man, you are a man of great, great faith. I'm like, mm, I'm 51% sure God's going to do it. <laughs> like, that's my go, no go decision. Can I get above 50%? At 50-50, I'm not sure I'm going to go. 51%. Yeah, I think so. Amen. Yeah, I think, I think we're good. Right? Most of you, I shouldn't say that way. Some people, the people that are coming later today, not you. <laughs> Some people never do anything from God because they're waiting for it to be a sure thing. Because they want to run. They watch people run and they want to run, but they can't give up their understanding. Y'all know this is so good. <laughs> Can, can I tell you that um, it's just never going to be a sure thing? Here's the third thing. I got to we gotta write this down. Faith is strongest at its source. Like this is the answer to the, the frailty, to the fractured, um, to, to the shattered. To, this is the answer. That faith is, is strongest at the source. Look, look at what... I love, I had never seen this in Luke 7, verse 21. Um, I'd never seen this when I read this, and I love it when I see something I've never read, and then my mind just has a lot of fun with it. Because here's what happened. Now, now this is what it says at that very time. So I want you to picture, Jesus is standing here, and John the Baptist sends a delegation to Jesus to say, for real though, are you the one, or should we look for somebody else? His two disciples walk up to Jesus and say, Jesus, John sent us to ask you, like, it's totally not us. We believe you. But John sent us to ask you, right, um, are, are you the one or should we look for someone else? Look at this. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. Do you see this? They come to Jesus. Are you the one for real? Or should we? And she's like, hang on just a second. And he just starts healing people and, and giving sight and casting out demons and just raising people up, right? And, and then steps back. And, and what, I, what I love about it is that Jesus didn't give any understanding as to John's particular situation, but he absolutely did answer the question of who he was. And I have found that God is so good that while most of the time we want understanding, sometimes God will not give us understanding, but he will show us who he is in the midst of our uncertainty. Because he is saying, you know what? For your faith to be strong, you've got to come back to the source. Are you, are you with me? Because faith has to be anchored in the perfection of God's person, not your perception of his performance. Can I say that again? Faith has to be anchored in the perfection of his person, not your perception of his performance. And the problem that John, I am preaching now, the problem that John had was his faith had been anchored in the perfection of his person, but then his faith had gotten tied to. He had gotten tied to his perception of his performance. If you are him, you should do this. And if you're not doing this, are you, praise the Lord, are you really him? Never let me have toys. 
Are you really? I preached so hard. I, you can say, hey, he preached so hard, crutches were being thrown to the ground. <laughs> Tell people that today. <laughs> Be a riot. But, but, but here's the great thing. Think about this. It's like surgical almost. It is crazy. Jesus never gives clarity or understanding about the situation. But he gives a very clear picture of who he is. He, he gives a very clear picture of who he is uh, in the situation. Look at, look at how he responds to, to John in verse 22. So he goes on to say to these two disciples, he said, you go back and report to John what you've just seen and heard with your own eyes, that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the gospel is proclaimed to the poor. Now here's what's crazy. Jesus is answering John. He's given him as much clarity as he can. The truth of it is John didn't ask the right question. John didn't ask and can I just be honest? Most of the time we don't. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. John didn't ask, can you help me understand my situation in your presence? John allowed his situation to unsettle him about the certainty of who Jesus was. So then instead of asking about his situation, he asked about Jesus. Are you the one? Jesus answered by saying, I'm the one. What he just quotes right here is a loose quotation from Isaiah 61 from Luke chapter 4. Um, there are seven signs of Messiah. What he just quoted, what he just gave John was six. Yeah. There's seven. He gave him six. You want to guess which one he left out? That he'll free the captives. Here's what Jesus is telling John. And John would have known that, obviously. Here's what Jesus is telling John. I am who I say I am. I can't speak to your situation but I'll tell you who I am. I can't give you the understanding. I can't meet your expectation. But I will, I will show you who I am in the midst of it. And that's what I found about God so many times is that there are times when God, for whatever the reason, cannot provide context or will not provide context for the situation, but he will reveal himself in the midst of the situation. And that's exactly what he, and then, and then Jesus even goes a step farther. He says in verse 23, blessed is anyone who does not stumble because of me. Here's what that literally means. Happy are those who don't trip over what I do or don't do. Happy are those. Here's, here's, what he's, here's what he's saying about John. Like, John, I'm not going to get you out of prison. And I'm not going to explain that. But I will show you who I am again. So your faith can be anchored to who I am. Because if you start anchoring your faith in what I do or don't do based on your perception, you're going to continue to struggle. So blessed are those whose faith is not tied to what I do or don't do, but whose faith is anchored in who I say I am. Amen. 
Um, so here's what Jesus is saying. What you want to do is trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And, and trust means to put all of your weight on him. This is what we want to do because we want to understand. This is what he's called us to do, which means we won't understand. Now, why would you trust someone? Because they're trustworthy. What's the word trustworthy means? Worthy of trust. What's the root word of the word trust? True. Why do you trust God? Because he's true. Not because he made sense where you wanted him to make sense. We don't trust God because we can understand the infinite with our finite. We trust God. The, the, the battle of trust is always about who's true. Numbers 23 says, God's not a man that he should lie. Titus 1 says, it's impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6 says, it's impossible for God to lie. Revelation 19, 11 says, I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called, check this, faithful and true. If you look in the Bible, those two are capitalized. Why? It's saying his name is faithful and his name is true. God doesn't tell you the truth. He is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not giving you truth. He is truth. And, and the reason I know I can trust him is because he is true. God, God said that he would demonstrate his love to me in that while I was still a sinner, he would send his son to die for me. And he did. Jesus said, I am God and I have come to take your sin and die your death and undergo the torture, the judgment, the condemnation, all that is due you. And I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And he did exactly what he said. I do not trust God because God does it my way. I do not trust God because I understand everything about God. I trust God because God at his core is true. And I'm always going to base trust on truth. He is trustworthy because he is truth. Truth and understanding are not the same thing. There are truths I I don't understand. There are things I don't understand that are true, but I know that he is faithful and he is true. And when my faith feels fractured and I'm trying to make sense and I've created an understanding that makes me comfortable in my own mind, but it has limited what God can do in and through my life, then I have the wisest man who ever lived from the word of God saying, stop leaning on what you understand. Give up on what you understand and run the race that I have. Put all your weight on God. It is not about understanding. It is about trusting. And you can trust Him because He is true. He has never left you and never will. He is God Almighty, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Great I Am. He is faithful and He is true. And you can trust Him. When your faith is fractured, go back to the source. Not look Looking at your situation, but looking at your Savior, fixing your eyes on Him, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising His shame, and now He is seated at the right hand of God, making intercession, and He is the King of every king and the Lord of every Lord. Get back to the source. For real, though, get back to the source. For real, though, go back to who He is. Go back to who he is, for real. 
Would you stand with me?